Welcome everybody to episode 5 of The Sheriff. Guys, today we have special guest goaltender Dave Ayers, NHL record holder, the first goalie to ever record a win as an emergency goalie in the National Hockey League, which will be history for the rest of our time, ladies and gentlemen. Now today, guys, because we have such a special guest that is a goaltender, I just thought that it would be appropriate for us to give a little shout out to the goalies out there. Let's talk about the goalies. Let's talk about the last man standing in a hockey game. Let's talk about the guys that we rely at the end of the game, the last person that we can actually count on in overtime, the last person that we count on in a shootout. The guy that usually is the reason why a team would win the Stanley Cup, and a perfect example of that would be the Los Angeles Kings with, with Quick. Quick won them that Stanley Cup. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy that playoff run. One would say he was the main reason why that team won the Stanley Cup, and that's one of the one of the reasons why I want to speak about the goaltenders. Kyle, say hi to the ladies and gentlemen out there, my friend. What's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Sheriff. We're pumped. Oh, my God. We get to talk to the only emergency goalie to ever win an NHL hockey game. Like, how can you not be pumped for this? I think it's unbelievable. And, like, like I'll, I'll be honest with the, with the listeners out there. When I was able to kind of see the one-year one anniversary of the Dave Ayers you know, playing this historic game, you know, I knew that I had his contact and I was like, you know what? I'm a big hockey nut. And this type of story, it just makes me excited. It it, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to wiggle. I want to hear more about this story. So what I did was I reached out to the man. I, I knew that he'd be busy. I knew that, you know, he went viral last year then I'm seeing things about, you know, movie deals from Disney. I'm seeing, like, you know, the major networks like Sportsnet, TSN, doing major exclusive stories on this guy. And I'm like, you know what? I wonder if he would consider, you know, being a guest on The Sheriff. And I reached out to the man. He got back to me the same day and said that he'd be more than happy to. So I'm just so excited to have Dave as the special guest for episode episode five of The Sheriff. But before we get into into Dave's story, you know, I just kind of wanted to, like I said, I want to talk about the goalies. Now, my playing career I had some pretty good relationships with the goalies that I played with. Now, I find that goalies are very, very different people. I find that they're very unique. I think that it takes a very special type of personality to want to have a very hard, dark object to hit your body and to actually want that to happen. At around Kyle, what do you think miles an hour. At around 100 miles an hour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that if I was a goalie, Sean, and I was on your team, of course I'm going to befriend you. Are you kidding me? Anybody gets too close to me after the whistle, I know Mr. McMorrow is going to come clean house. <laughs> well, well, that's the other thing. Like, like the goalie, in my opinion, as as an enforcer when I played, I found that the goalie was kind of the guy that 
you kind of had to have the most pride in protecting. Like, nobody can touch your goalie. That's the most important thing when you're a tough guy. No one touches the goalie. Someone has the nerve to bump our goalie, to, to you know, to, to spray our goalie, stopping in front of him, to do anything that our goalie's not going to like. It, it, was, it was my job to go out there and make a statement. So, you know, I maybe it's different for me, but I just feel that the goalies don't get as much recognition as they deserve. I think that they're a huge part of the hockey team. And, and that's why, you know, that, that I, I, I wanna, I wanna recognize them in episode five. And, and you know, one storyline that, that I wanted to mention, now I'm currently in the NHL, is the three young hot goalies, rookie goaltenders currently that are playing in the NHL right now. We got, we got a guy on Minnesota, a guy in Chicago, and a guy on Washington, okay? So, the rookie in Minnesota. Now, for the listeners out there, these guys have very interesting names. So I'm going to do my best. Very hard names. Very <laughs> difficult names. Let's say the <laughs> level of difficulty is high. So the first one we got is Capo Kakinen. Capo Kakinen from the Minnesota Wild. The man's got 12 games played. He's got eight wins, a 2.41 goals against average, and a .95 save percentage, which is all-star production to this point. Absolutely. And I mean, small sample size with only 12 games played. Yes. And that's got to be taken into consideration. But Minnesota was absolutely desperate for a legit goalie. And if he can keep that up, Minnesota's looking like a playoff team again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Capo is obviously a huge part of that. Um, the second, the second young, young star from the Chicago Blackhawks, a gentleman by the name of Kevin Lankinen. Now, Kevin Lankinen has 15 games played. He's got nine wins, a 2.55 GAA with a 9.24 save percentage. Um, you know, that would be a point, a point nine two four save percentage. Um, again, all-star numbers being a rookie goalie. Oh, you know, yeah. we've got to give him that recognition, you know? Oh, yeah. The, the third guy on the list, oh, just no, quickly, and, then, and then we'll kind of talk about them. But the third guy on the list, Washington Capitals, Vitek, Vanasek, this man, 18 games played, 10 wins, 2.69 GAA with a .90 save percentage. Again, all-star material, rookie goaltender in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I'd say that's um, obviously your largest sample size of games. Yes. And also your weakest numbers out of the three goalies that you um, discussed. That's As right. As a rookie... That's strong numbers. As a rookie goalie, I mean, come on. It's got to be one of the hardest positions to play in the National Hockey League, if not, hands down, the hardest position to play in the National Hockey League. All of the weight's on your shoulders. To get wins in this league is no joke. And uh, we got a guy on a little later. He's got one. <laughs> oh, yes. He sure, he sure does. And just and, and you know what? I think I think that... We we have such a story here, ladies and gentlemen. I want to kind of have a little bit of insight within the story, within the story, once we get into talking to Dave. So I think that we're ready to bring Dave in, and I think without further ado, we should introduce the gentleman, the man himself, the legend, the NHL record holder, goaltender Dave Ayers, ladies and gentlemen. Dave, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, my friend. 
I, I got to say, Dave, I am so impressed to have you on the show, buddy. Um, I just, I remember reaching out to you last week and you got back to me right away. You were very professional. I was shocked because I can only imagine, you know, all the requests that you're getting due to the fact that it's the year anniversary, you know, one week removed, but also just the fact that it's still one of the biggest hockey stories that has ever happened. Now, my, my first question to you, Dave, before we get into this historic game is, have you always been a goalie? Yeah, yeah. Because my dad and my older brother were both goalies. So it's kind of like, I didn't have an option to not be a goalie. It's like, here you go. We got some, my brother's four years older than me. We're like, we got some gear that's been sitting in the basement for four years. Strap it on and get in there and, and we'll teach you how to do it. So that, that's how I became a goalie. Well, I'll tell you what, like the theme of this episode is goaltenders because me and Kyle, we were discussing in the intro that, you know, we don't feel that goaltenders really get as much recognition as they should. Like as far as like superstar type status, like in the NHL right now, who is the biggest superstar goalie? Like you got to think about it for a little bit, right? You got Carey Price up in Montreal. I mean, before he got injured, you had the King Lundquist in in New York and now in Washington but I mean really there's there's not like that that excitement around the goaltenders and and I don't like that because my position when I played Dave was you were probably the most important player that I had to protect nobody was to touch my goalie if somebody had the nerve to touch my goalie I knew that I had to answer the bell. I knew that I had to make a statement. Dave, why do you think the goalies aren't getting as much recognition as they should? You know what? I think because there's all these superstar players out there that are making all these fancy plays. And, hey, it's tons and tons of talent in the National Hockey League. And just, you know, a lot of the pro hockey leagues in general. These guys are coming up with all these tricks. And, you know, they're skating faster. They're shooting harder. And, you know, people like to see goals. And that's just the way hockey's going now. You know, there's a couple of goalies that make unbelievable saves, and they're super athletic. Vasilevsky, one of those guys. Like you said, Price, Lundqvist, when he was when he was uh, not injured. Um, but you know, everyone wants to see goals, and you don't get as many big saves as you do big goals. You know what I want to see? I want to see that big silver trophy, and nine times out of ten, it's the goalie who gets it. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. I mean, I mean, it's absolutely true, and like. I know from obviously being a former player, the best teams that I've been on, Dave, have had the best goalie. When we've had one of the best goalies in the league, that's when my team has done the best, right? So, like, I just feel that that we need to give a shout-out to the goalies. They need to be recognized. Goalies are important. We need to start the campaign now. Support our goalies. <laughs> it's true. We already get a bad rap. Now, uh, everyone says goalies are weird, these, but, uh, you know. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Now, we'll You're get a little weird. bit more into You're that. Just- you guys are just different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess if you're willing to stay there and get a, a puck off the face every practice, then you know, got to be a little different. Dave, that was almost word for word what I said in the intro. Now, listen, I agree with you 100%. Now, I got a question for you. Do you get excited when the puck is about to hit your body? Like, I'm trying to understand... Like, I've played, I've played in net. Like, a, a, any hockey player that's listening to this podcast right now, like, we've all been in net. 
Right before I started the show, you know, I'm lucky enough I'm able to do this recording from my mother's house in Scarborough. She's got a great setup. That's where I'm doing it. My mom reminded me in house leagues, Dave, that usually the house league teams, every kid has to take a turn in goalie because they have to kind of figure out, you know, which kid is actually good in net. There might be a kid that says he wants to play net, but let's see, you know, let's give them all a turn, maybe a period each, see which one's the best, and, and, and we'll take it from there. So, but what I find, Dave, is it takes a certain personality to be a goalie. Like, you guys are the last man standing. You guys are the last resort. Not everybody can handle that, my friend. Please explain. I think you have to be mentally strong uh, to be a goalie. You know, if the puck goes in the net, you kind of take it on your shoulders, and you're like, man, that was my fault. Even though they got through five other guys and still put the puck behind you, you still take it on your own shoulders. So you got to be mentally strong to get past you know, letting goals in. Plus, you have to be willing to go home with bruises on your body because that's just part of the deal. Like that's, it's gonna work. It's gonna happen. You know, and it's funny that you say, you know, kids get a turn to play hockey. And I, I coach in Whitby, and, and you. Do you guys do that? No, no, no. We're I'm, I got older kids. You know, no, no, but. 14. But do you remember having to take turns, or when you started, oh, yeah. were you just the, the goalie? Hundred percent. We took turns, and I loved it. Obviously, you know, because I was put in net for mini sticks at the house with my brother, just ripping balls at me. But uh, yeah. so I, I was ready uh, at the age of like three. Um, but uh, we used to do that, and then you get some kids that would go in the net, and you know they would get a puck in a spot that didn't feel good, and or whatever, and they'd go home with a bruise, and they'd never want to put goalie equipment on again. Uh, so it yeah. does take a special guy to to be willing to uh, go home with some bruises and, and deal with goals for them. A special guy is right. And, you know, we had, well, when I say we, I mean nationwide because it was hockey night in Canada. It was Saturday night. It was at the Air Canada Center, which was a nationally televised game. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not fully aware of Dave's story, it was just over a year ago, February 22nd, um, when the Carolina Hurricanes were playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Dave was the emergency goalie for this game. Both Carolina goaltenders got injured in the first period and the second period, respectively. When this happened, Dave got the call for which most Canadians, it would be a dream come true. I was able to experience this feeling, and that's why right now I got all the hairs on my body sticking straight up talking about this. It's more like when you're witnessing something that's incredible and you're kind of in the moment and everything is a little bit slow motion and you're trying to pay attention to everything, but you just can't. You're trying to focus on just being normal and just doing normal things. And Dave, when I was listening to your story about walking out to that game, walking through the tunnel, I heard something pretty interesting. I heard you say that I was just saying to myself, don't fall. Don't fall. Everybody's watching. Yeah. Now, from this point is when I really want you to let the listeners know exactly what it was like when you were walking through that tunnel right before when we see you come out on that camera and you get on that ice. Dave, 
What were you thinking, brother? From one player to another, what was that like? Well, I'm sure you know, you go for your first NHL game, it's like, oh, I can do this, no problem. And all of a sudden the fans hit you. You know, it's like all of a sudden the place just lights up and goes crazy. And I had no time to prepare. So, you know, I've been on that ice many, many times. The place has been lit up. You know, I practice on the ice with the Leafs and the Marlies. But you can't put the crowd in there for practice. So you don't even know what to expect. And the next thing you know, you walk out and they see you and everyone goes nuts. First of all, they have no idea who I am, really. There may be a couple of <laughs> people who, who saw me at the outdoor uh, practice probably a month or so before that. Uh, a couple of people probably recognized me. But for the most part, I'd say three-quarters of that rink had no idea who I was. So the place was kind of buzzing. And, you know, like like you said, I, I was saying to myself, don't fall. Because at the outdoor Nathan Phillips Square three-on-three, three, I left my skate guards on after walking through the subway. I stepped on my <laughs> ass, and I fell on my ass. So uh, I was kind of hoping that, you know, I wasn't going to fall going out there. But you, you don't have time to think. You just get out there, and you're like, oh, man, what's going on right now? And then you get thrown in the net. So now let's go to one of the first plays of the game. I noticed that you made an incredible play. You came out to play the puck, okay, and you made a great pass behind the net, you know, to, to the defenseman that was closest in the area. And, you know, like the play went on, and I think, I think that same shift, you guys actually got a goal on that shift, right? Carolina scored. On that play. I on that play. It. Yeah, Did you get an assist? I know. I missed you, by one guy. You were like the third. <laughs> that would have been great. You were like the third assist probably, though. Yeah, I was the third assist. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic, man. It's yeah. kind of like a half assist. <laughs> yeah, I'll That's take right. it. So, That's a plus. So this happens, and, and it's great. So now it was the first The first two goals were on three shots, correct? Two goals on two shots, yeah. It was two goals on two shots. Oh, yeah, two shots. Okay. So now, that happens. That happens in games a lot. It happens in games all the time. But when you're the emergency goalie, and it's one shot, one goal, two shots, two goals. <laughs> now, this is when you're talking about that mental toughness. Yeah. Now, Dave, I know it's cliche to say, oh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, it was mentally tough. But, Dave, two shots, two goals, the whole country's watching. Yeah. How deep did you dig at that point to continue? Yeah. That was a tough one, man. I, I, to be honest, uh, you feel like you want to crawl into your equipment and yeah. sort of skate off the ice at that point in time. You know, uh, That was a hard one to swallow. But uh, something inside me just thought, you know what? You've been doing this your whole life. Just This is your chance in the NHL, man. Just have fun. Like, Just do what you do. Stop pucks. And my thing was, I, was kinda, I felt like I was a little bit overplaying overthinking. Um, so I watched, I watched the game twice and I noticed myself, I stayed like right back in my crease, but I didn't want to give anything away at that point. So I was just kind of working on reaction after that. But uh, it's the one thing you can't do. You can't overthink in a game. Just trust, trust the practice and trust your skill. Now, how did, uh, did Carolina react when, I mean, you let in one, then you let in two, like, were they all like, don't even worry about it or, you know what? I thought they weren't even going to come anywhere near me, to be honest. I'm like, oh, these guys are going they're not going to come near me. They're going to leave me by myself. But a couple of the guys came over and they said, don't worry about it, man. Like, just enjoy it. Have fun. Who cares how many goals you let in? It's going to be a good time. And that, you know, having them come up to me like that and just kind of reassure me that they had my back, even after I let two goals on two shots, I'm sure they thought they were going to get absolutely blown out. 
but to see them pick up the game, how they did, they played unreal and they had my back, which, which was awesome. Cause you know, those guys didn't even know me and it just shows how true. great the hockey, the hockey community, obviously, you know, and the players, they, they, they're there to play, you know, these guys are professionals and they'll keep playing. Have you ever met any of the guys on Carolina before? Yeah, I met Jake Gardner when he was playing with the Marlies. When he first came up That's to Marley, right. I skated with him. Yep. Uh, and Reimer was there as well, so I met him Reimer. before. Reimer, yeah. Yeah. So okay, knew, fair enough. I had met the two of them before. Now, now as a, as a player, because, like, like, the one thing we do, Dave, like, with this podcast is we try to give the perspective from the player and the fan's view. Because me and Kyle both play, but we're both huge sports fans. So this is what I want to know. When the 19 plus thousand capacity crowd at the Air Canada Center in Toronto, the mega center of hockey in North America, okay, when the crowd was chanting, shoot, 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 was that bothering you or did it no. motivate you a little bit? I was with them, like, man. I what was them. that like for you? I wanted What's that? that? I wanted more shots. Like, you know, I, I, you need to get comfortable. And I wasn't comfortable. I didn't yes. have a warm-up, really. You know, you had two shots. And after the third one, I kind of stepped on the puck and made the save. But I wanted more shots. I'm like, just shoot it from anywhere. It hit me. That's all I wanted to do. You know, I, I wasn't worried about the shots. I wasn't worried about the speed or, or whatever. Um, it was just trying to get comfortable in the net. And if you took a couple more shots off the chest, off the head, off the legs, I was okay with it. You know, I wanted yeah. them to shoot. People were yelling shoot when the puck was in the other end. You know, really? just, oh yeah, like, <laughs> shoot it from down there, whatever you want. I need a shot, you know, give it to me. So I was hoping they were going to shoot more. Okay. So now just to give the listeners some insight on this, Dave, now, now Dave, don't get me wrong. I know what it's like to be in American hockey league practices. Like I played in the league for the better parts of six seasons. So I know that even if someone who wasn't on the team, but got to play in practice, like, you, you, you get better when you play with better players, right? Mm-hmm. You get better. So, obviously, you're a good goaltender. You're a good goaltender because you play with good players, you practice with high-caliber professional players often. So, therefore, you're, you've, your game has developed. You're a good goalie. But what was the highest level that you played? It was junior B, correct? When you yeah. were younger. I went to a couple of camps through junior I know you did. I, just, I know you I did, have, but I'm talking four have, seasons, Dave. No, the highest, I think, well, I ended up playing senior A in Norwood. Okay. Uh, yes. Pretty good. A lot of those guys were pretty good hockey players. No, very good. Senior, so much respect. Played in the yeah. senior Quebec League, hands yeah. down, got to give those guys respect. But yeah. when you were a kid, though, when you were coming up, what was the highest level? I played AAA in Wimpy when I grew up yeah. for a bunch of years and stuff like that, but other than that, I played, played high school because high school hockey. I don't know if you played high school hockey, but it was a lot of fun. Like you had it was. I, I in grade nine, so I got to fun. play on my high school team. Yes. Yeah, so much fun. So, okay. Yeah, so, so that's what I did. So that was the reason why these fans were screaming "shoot" when they were in the other end because <laughs> they knew that 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 on paper, you know, you didn't have the resume, but they're not knowing that you're practicing with with like. You know, obviously a lot of NHL guys, but even the AHL caliber, like the game is going to go directly up just being in those practices, right? Yeah, so, eight years. I think I spent eight years practicing with the Marlies and yeah. and, and Leafs for the last year as well. So yeah. 
you know, there's not, you know, there's not much difference in, in shot speed exactly. between an AHL guy and an NHL guy. A lot of accuracy is, is probably the biggest difference, but the speed of the shots still, they're still coming at you hard. Now, now just, now continuing with the timeline of the game, um, I just, I, I think this is very important. I think that the Carolina Hurricanes rallied around you by what you said to them about getting you to the intermission. Get me to the intermission. Let me settle down a little bit, and I will win this game for you guys. Along, along those lines. Yeah. yeah can you, can I, you elaborate I, a little bit on what you said to them? Like, Yeah, I think after the second goal, as I said, I said, just get me to the intermission. Um, I think it was at a TV timeout. I went over there. I said, just get me to the intermission. I, you know, I just need to breathe, gather my thoughts, you know, just kind of get myself comfortable. And in the intermission, I sat there, Reimer came and sat beside me and he, he just said, man, it's, it's like being, it's a goalie's a goalie. No matter where you're playing, you know, you're still a goalie. You, you do the same thing. You stop talking. You've been doing this for so long. Don't worry about it. Just have fun. And uh, that picked me up. And I said to the guys, I said, go out there. You guys score a goal. I'll be comfortable. You know, I'll shut the door and, and we'll win the game. And it just, you just saw their spirits totally lift up at that point. And just obviously the third period they played unreal. So, um, I guess that kind of helped out. Now, 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 I just, I just love hearing, hearing that type of thing because, I mean, for me, like the team camaraderie, the team building, playing for one another, knowing that, you know, sometimes there's games where, you know, your top guys are injured and other guys are stepping up and guys will play better because of that, right? And you felt that. You felt that from your team. You felt that they were playing for you. You felt that they were staying back extra and protecting you out of respect and to support you, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. buddy, you, you won that National Hockey League game because you came together with your team. And to me, that, like, as a sports person, like, that, that's one of the most beautiful things that, that I could ever witness and see. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like you said, in sports in general, uh, people will have each other's back. If you're on a team, you're on a team. You know, it doesn't matter what team you're on, they're going to have your back. And uh, obviously they had my back. You know, I think when they saw that I had the confidence to go out there and, and still play after letting two goals in, you know, I still gave it my all. They turned around, they gave it their all. You know, and at one point, I, I they, the Leafs came in and the guys just blocked the shot, cleared it out, chased it down the other end and scored a goal. I'm like these guys are in it. Like they're not. They're they're not letting go. Like they're they want to win this game. And that for me, I was just like, let's go. Like, we're not we're not going to lose this one. Did, so uh, it gave me the confidence. Did by chance? I I know you probably saw afterwards, but by chance, did you look over and see Rod Brindamore on the bench <laughs> shake his head? Oh no! Like <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I didn't even look at him the whole game, to be honest with you. I was in the intermission. I didn't even look over to the bench. So if, for, if there was any ever reason that he was trying to pull me off the ice, I never would have known because I didn't even want to look at him. I was just like, <laughs> man, I'm sorry if any goals go in, but, you know, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> the, the one, the one thing that I also kind of wanted to know, um, Dave, like like as a player, like like I just remember – you know, certain games that were really important to me, like, like certain parts of that game. Like, I mean, so for you being a goaltender, I mean, I think that there was this, there was one, I think it was Hyman that had like a point blank opportunity mm -hmm. and you made a great save. 
And and yeah. so to me, that was kind of the highlight. Tell me, tell me what was the most memorable part? If it was a save, if it was that was a good one for me. You know, uh, Hyman and I kind of had a little bit of a friendship. We still talk, and he's a great, great guy. But uh, he was with the Marlies when he first came up, and he kind of sat in the stall beside me for a bunch of times. We got to, got to know each other, and he's a a great guy. But that was kind of a play that they did in practice, where the guy from the point passes the guy in slot, and he kind of just grabbed it one time and, and shot it. So. I don't know if it was just repetition that I was kind of ready for that one uh, or if I just saw it develop, but uh, that was a good one. I think like the playing the puck, I love to play the puck. Uh, so for me to get out there in the beginning of it and get out there and play the puck, I played the puck a couple of times. I actually got a shot on net in that game. You know, one of the guys was at center and I, I was going to pass it to him and he started to bail out. I'm like, I'm going to go for it. I banked it off the boards and got ended up getting a shot on net. So that's one of the things I like to play the puck. So for me to be able to come out and, and play the puck. That's one of the most memorable plays in that game, to be honest with you. That's pretty cool stuff, man. I mean, that's that pretty cool take, stuff. That had to take some balls, man. An <laughs> HL yeah. game, like, fuck it, I'm just going <laughs> to ice this bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the goalie coach at the intermission was not happy with the fact that I was playing the puck. Um, <laughs> so I came out and he's like, man, we already have two goalies injured. Our last goalie got injured because he played the puck or came out to play the puck. We don't need you coming out to play the puck. And I just said to him, you know, I like to play the puck, man. Sorry, I can't help it. Um, <laughs> man, the man's got to do what the man's got to do. Hey, if it gets you into the game, why not, right? Um, but I, I, I just played that first one, and then I kind of, they kind of started dumping the puck in, and I kind of started letting it go around. And Jake Gardner said to me, he's like, do you feel comfortable stopping those when they rim them around? I said, yeah, sure. I just didn't know if you wanted me to. And then I started getting out, coming out and stopping pucks that were being rimmed around kind of help them out, right? So that just made me feel more comfortable. Now, that's phenomenal. I just thought of another question as a player, Dave. Um, pre-game meals are very important for players. Now, obviously, you don't know if you're getting into games or not, right? There's always the chance that you may, being the emergency goalie. Do you remember what your pre-game meal was that day? Did you have a pre-game meal that day, Dave? You know what's funny? Every time we go to the games, we go there a little bit early, concession stand, you know the managers at concession stand, so they kind of hook you up with some food before everybody else gets in there. And We usually have a Reuben sandwich, and that's what I had that day. I had a Reuben sandwich, ate that in the stands while I was watching the warm-ups. Uh, a Reuben sandwich? Oh, yeah, delicious. Uh, okay. Highly recommended if you go to the to the Scotiabank Arena, a Reuben sandwich is highly recommended. But uh, my wife and I, we, we'd sat there with Reuben sandwiches, and uh, we did it quite often, man. I, we would probably hit 100 games, maybe I'd say. Uh, and that Reuben sandwich is probably at least 50% of the 50% of the pregame meals for us. Yes. Now, now, Dave. Now, because we're still on the game, I, 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 I meant to kind of get into this before we started talking about the game, but the game's just so exciting, man, that I had to jump into it. But yeah. the whole emergency goalie situation, just like, can you just explain, like? How that works? Do you need to apply for it? Does every NHL team have one? Is it just the home teams? Yeah, it's uh, so that rule is only well four years old now, but they're obviously not using emergency goalies this year. Um, but when they first came up with that rule three seasons prior, um, because I was with the Marlies all those years practicing with them, I guess you know the Leafs guys, Kyle. Uh, when they went up, they, they, they needed a goalie. And they said, well, Dave's been practicing with our team for five years. So, you know, uh, we're going to have him at our practices. You know, we can have him as an emergency goalie. 
I obviously I didn't make all of them. There was a couple of university kids that were uh, that were at a few of them. I think I got probably fifty or sixty percent of them at, at least the first year, and then I did pretty much all of them. But uh, yeah, it's not one of those things where you get to apply or you get to go on the ice and try out for. They just uh, they call you up and they they knew me. So uh, you know it's funny. I got married September 24th, September 25th at like Congratulations. in the morning. Thanks. So that year, September 25th, they called us up and Sarah and I were thinking about moving to Calgary for a job and I was on the fence. Uh, so I get this phone call the day after our wedding and they said, Hey, do you want to be the least emergency goalie? It's like, we looked at each other and I guess we're not moving to Calgary. You know, we're, <laughs> staying, we're staying in Toronto now. So uh, that's how that whole thing kind of came about. Came about. Is well, that... you know what, Ben? You and your wife were meant for each other because I'll yeah. tell you what, eight, I would say eight out of ten times, that's a huge fight. And your wife was automatically <laughs> on board? Huge Leaf fan. She's a huge Leaf oh, fan. Oh, man. How yeah, wonderful was, is that? I think she was more pumped than I was. And I was oh, man. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely incredible. So this third period, right? Was it fitting for you that you made a save right before the end buzzer? Like, wasn't that just something? Yeah, I think, I don't think I was expecting another shot, to be honest, by the end of the game. You know, I was watching the clock kind of wind down, and and I thought, oh, the puck's coming in. Maybe I'll get another shot here. And then, sure enough, I get that last shot, I make the save. I look up at the clock, and there was less than a second. It was .8 when I looked at the clock. And it was just kind of like you said, it's kind of fitting that I ended up getting to hold the puck, make the last save. And, uh, you know, whether it was me and that or somebody else in that, that's a pretty cool thing just to end the game with, with the puck in your glove. And it just happened to be Clifford who ran over your teammate for yeah, you to get into true. the game, right? I didn't even think about that one. It yeah, was Clifford. Yeah. It was him, man. Yeah. He, he, started, he was he that last for me shot. It for me. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. So now when that final buzzer went, like, I know there's times where I'm really waiting for those last 10 seconds to go. I'm really waiting for those last couple minutes to be done, depending on the dynamics of the game. With you, Dave, I mean, with this record, with everything that you went through mentally, with the fact that you were able to not fall, to, to perform incredible, to make 8 out of 10 saves, brother, in the National Hockey League, right? Mm-hmm. With a save, with a second left on the clock just to top it off and say, yeah, I'm here. Okay. Mm-hmm. When that buzzer went, was it weight off the shoulder? Was it just the same feeling because the night's not over? Is it, what, did it feel like you were kind of out of your body? What happened? Yeah. You know what? It was just one of those, it almost felt for a minute there, like it was just another game. Like, you know, you're just playing another game and, you know, it's just one more save. Until all the guys come and jump on you and they're cheering and going crazy and you're like, this is awesome. You know, at that point, you know, you, you realize you just won an NHL game and they, they let you know, you know, they're yelling and screaming that, you know, you just won an NHL game and uh, that was the best part, man. Like those guys were just, they were loving it just as much as I was. Now you got to love the, the Toronto faithful. The fact that all those people, man, stuck around to give you that recognition and that cheer when you found out that you were not the third, not the second, but the first star of the game, correct? Absolutely. I, I thought, you know, when I got off the ice, I thought we're going to the locker room. I totally forgot about, you know, the hockey night in Canada interview. 
I didn't even think I was going to have that. I didn't think about a star. I just thought about going back in the room, kind of celebrating with the guys and uh, just talking to them a little bit. And then, you know, I go out for the first star. And like you said, the place in Toronto, the fans are great. But when the Leafs lose in a, in a kind of a, a pretty bad fashion, they usually clear out. Like that place is a ghost town in five minutes. You know, but when I turned around, I went back out. It was like it was full. Like there was, you know, probably three, at least three quarters of the people there standing ovation, and that just goes to show how great the the Leafs fans are and hockey fans in general. You know, I guess they saw something that they they don't normally see. So uh, for them to stick around and, and cheer like that for me, I took a little bit of a longer skate than I thought I was going to take. <laughs> yeah, you deserve it, buddy. <laughs> Can't be, if that was me, I mean, I'm doing yeah, a whole lap. I'm doing yeah. a whole lap, dude. <laughs> I should have. I mean, you might as well do the victory lap. You got the victory. Yeah, I should have stayed a little longer. Yeah. Now, now there, there's a, there's a couple things here. There's a couple there's a couple records. Um, I know that one record is you're the, you're the oldest goalie, right? The oldest goalie to record a win, correct? Yeah, oldest goalie to win on their debut. On the their debut. Record. Yeah. Okay. And then and then the other record is 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 the record for the, the first emergency goal goalie to record a win. Now, right. now, let me ask you something about that, Dave. Is that because of the length of the of the time that you were in the game? Yeah, I played the majority of the game. So exactly, and that's why you got the win. Right. Where the gentleman in Chicago a couple years back. Yeah. Chicago won that game, but he didn't get the win. It was the goalie that started the game because he didn't play enough time. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact minutes. I think he played seven he or eight played, minutes, something like that. No, he he actually played less than a period. Yeah, yeah, he didn't play very much. Uh, he played well. He didn't let a goal in. He played well. Uh, yeah, he did. But he so, didn't but, get the win like you, my friend. Yeah, he didn't get the win only because he didn't play enough of minutes, I think. And they were already winning, I think, 6-1 when he went in, so... He didn't get to record the win, but he was the first emergency goalie under the new contract to go in. And I've talked to him before. He's a great guy too. Oh, you have? So, so you guys, you guys are connected? Yeah, he got my number uh, somehow, and he texted me the next day. He's like, "Man, that was so awesome! I was cheering for you in front of my TV. It was so cool to see you get the win." Uh, you know, he was just kind of giving me a, a heads up on what to expect from then on out. You know, as in uh, people kind of getting to know you and know who you are and and want to talk to you and so he kind of gave me the what's going to happen when you go in as an emergency goalie yes now now that's that's exactly kind of where where i want to switch things a little bit like like you said that you know he gave you a call and he was watching and he was cheering you on and dave the reason for that is it's very inspiring what you did not everybody can do that Right. Not everyone can walk into a situation like that and perform that the way you did. Okay. So it's very now that being as inspiring as it is to me, there's more to this story like there, that's that needs to be talked about and that needs to be acknowledged. Now, you have an incredible story that you had to go through that you had to live through even to give yourself an opportunity to have something like this happen to you last season. Now, we're going to go back to, I, and I know it was obviously before 2004, but in 2004, 
you found out that you officially needed to have a kidney transplant, correct? Yeah, I had my transplant actually in 2004. So 2003 uh, would have been when I first found out. But I was nine, basically nine months from the May long weekend. I was in the hospital uh, until I went through dialysis. And then the next May long weekend, I was having my transplant. So, um, yeah, that was a tough year. No, I um, and, and like I'm sure like I'm sure a lot of you know the the listeners out there can can emphasize with with what I'm about to talk about um for me like like my mother has been you know the reason why I've accomplished most things in my life because of her support and her love and the way that she brought me up and and what she's done for me now you my friend your mother has done something for you that is beyond words is beyond any type of love where she donated one of her kidneys to to you to her son right and and when i first when i first heard that dave like i was like i i i cried brother i cried i'm an emotional guy and and, and i loved it and, and 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 your mother must be such an incredible person to do something like that yeah, she's Can awesome. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? You know what? There is no – she was not hesitant one bit. Like, there was no question about whether or not she was getting tested to see if she could donate to me. And um, that's my mom. Like, you know, I'm her kid. You know, she would do that for any of us. Um, and, and she was sitting there right beside me in the hospital room when I found out when the doctor came in and said, hey, like, your kidneys are shot. You need new, You need a new kidney. You know, you need a transplant. So I said, you know, what does that involve? And my mom's first words out of my mom's mouth were, how do I get tested? When can we start this? So, you know, that could oh, wow. show how, how great it was for her. She didn't have to think about it at all. She was she was all in right away. And obviously they went and did all the testing that they had to do. It took a while. Um, and they just made sure we were both stable and we were both healthy enough to get the, the transplant done. And I went through some dialysis and while well, she was doing all the testing. And um, she, she gave me her kidney and she was out of the hospital, I believe, in like five days. And uh, she was right back to uh, to normal life for the most part. Wow, that's that's phenomenal stuff, man. Um, so, like, was she like like like? And your mother's name is Mary, right? Right. Yeah. So, and 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 the reason why, man, is is I just like 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 my mom's such a big part of my life, right? And like like I just I just feel that. That type of thing, even though it was no hesitation from her, that like she's a hero, man. She's a hero to me. I know she's always been a hero to you, but but she's a hero to me, and and I um and and I admire that, and and I I really wanted to point out that point in the story, but what's even more equally as powerful is the fact, Dave, that you were given this opportunity to play this game last year, okay. You got a lot of attention from it, okay, which you deserve, which I find that you've handled incredibly well. What it's given you, my friend, is it's given you a platform. Now, us as athletes, what we've realized is the higher the level we go, the bigger the platform we have. And you played at the highest level, my friend. You now have a platform, and I see that you're using this platform for the better good. And that you are a strong advocate for the National Kidney Foundation. And I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. I find that the fact that you're able to do this 
that it's just as important as playing that game. And, and I and I just want you to talk about uh, what you're involved with, when you got started with it, and what's happening with it right now. Yeah, it was not very long after the game, to be honest, you know, when it kind of came out that I had a transplant. And, uh, you know, a lot of the guys I even skated with and played with uh, throughout the years, whether it was, you know, uh, with the Leafs or the Marlies or uh, just buddies that I skated with, I had no idea that I even had a kidney transplant because I wouldn't go around telling people that I had that for the reason that I think, you know, well, they're, they're going to look at me differently. They're not going to shoot the puck at me as hard. They're going to, you know, they're going to look at me differently uh, as a hockey player. And I didn't want that. Um, but when it all came out after the game, um, you know, they reached out to me at the Kidney Foundation and just said, hey, you know, um, thanks for uh, kind of basically telling people that you had a kidney transplant. Uh, and then COVID started, and I talked to the people at the National Kidney Foundation in Canada and the U.S., and we decided that uh, we had to do something to raise awareness for it. And uh, the National Kidney Foundation, we created an emergency fund, and we raised about $100,000 in, I think, three or four weeks. Uh, so that helped a lot of people that use the Kidney Foundation uh, for all different things that they provide. Um, but during COVID, everyone was shut down. Some people couldn't work. Some people didn't have the money. So they, they leaned on the Kidney Foundation for a couple extra funds uh, here and there. So I did stuff with the, with Canada and the U.S. Kidney Foundation. And it was awesome. Wow, that, that that's incredible, man. Um, for me, I feel that awareness is powerful because once people are aware, they're able to act, they're able to, to you know, to, to give, they're able to support. And I think that, that, that people, that it's very, it's not hard to get people aware of the things that they need to. And, and one example is, I was watching, I was watching one of your interviews yesterday, and you said in the interview that one person can really save like six to seven people if they're a donor after they pass. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. Logan Boulay, who was one of the kids killed in the Humble Broncos crash, the bus crash, he donated his, and I believe it was six people that he donated organs to. Um, you know, and people don't realize that, you know, organs are just more than, you know, kidneys or a heart. You know, there's a lot more to you that you can do to help people out, uh, you know, to get around. And it doesn't take much. If you passed away and your organs are still good, you know, why not donate them to somebody who's, you know, honestly on their deathbed, basically waiting for an organ and your organ could be the one that saves their life. So, um, I, I think, you know, out east, they've, they've passed a, I guess a law where your organs are automatically donated unless you say you don't want them to be, you know, it's obviously the opposite uh, everywhere else in Canada where you actually have to sign your donor card. I think it should be, you have to sign your donor card if you don't want to donate because a lot of people don't realize that they are able to save lives if they do donate. So I'm trying to raise a little bit of awareness for that. That's absolutely fantastic. And like, I, and you know what, it's getting out. People are hearing it. And it's going to make a difference that we're talking about it. And that is the goal when you're trying to create awareness. And I really appreciate you talking about that because you know what, Dave, like a lot of people support foundations and stuff, but they're not really willing to talk about personal stories. So I really appreciate, you know, that you coming out and talking about stuff like that. And, you know, everybody here is, you know, they get, they get the, the shortcuts on the highlights and stuff and the emergency goalie and this and that. And, you know, no one really 
kind of gets the opportunity to really know who people are unless there's shows like this that really talk about it. We, yes, there was the incredible game, Dave. You're a, you're a record holder, man. No one will ever be able to take that from you. You deserve it. I'm happy for you. I'm so excited. I still get shivers even thinking about that that happened, man. That's how big of a sports guy I am. But when I started learning more about you, that's when the interest really came in. Because you're a really good guy and now that you have a platform, you have, you have something, a message that you're getting out there and you're creating awareness and I really respect that. Okay. So that's what, that's in my opinion, just as important as playing that game. Like I mentioned before and the, the Dave Ayers that, that I want people to know is, is I want them, I want people to know you more for this foundation and more for the guy that loves the game and you happen to just get an opportunity to live out your childhood dream. Not the, not the Zamboni driver that played. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that, that's excellent, man. Yeah. That's a lot of people don't, awesome. a lot of people don't know, uh, like you said about the kidney and stuff like that. They, all they hear is, Hey, you're the Zamboni driver. And in fact, I wasn't even working for the Leafs as a Zamboni driver for years upon years upon years before that. So, you know, obviously people hear the word, hey, Zamboni, we're going to read the story. And that's why they kind of added Zamboni driver to the story. But like you said, you know, being able to play the game, a lot of people are, are able to play hockey. Not a lot of people are able to make it to the NHL. I was lucky enough to do that. But if I didn't have my kidney transplant, there was no way I was making it to the NHL. So if it wasn't for you know, the kidney foundation and my mom being able to donate a kidney to me, all the nurses, all the doctors that took care of me all the way along. I never would have made this far. So for me to be able to give back, you know, and raise awareness on not just kidney donation, but organ donation in general, you know, I've had people come to me and say, Hey, look, I've signed, I watch your interviews. I signed my donor card, you know, and that to me is huge because Hey, that person who didn't know about this before, maybe they listened to my story. Now, one of their organs may go and save somebody's life. So if I was able to help in any way save one or two lives by getting somebody to donate their organs, then, uh, you know, that's that's amazing for me. And just real quick, just to reiterate, people listening right now, what exactly is that first step to do what you just said? Let's just reiterate it right now because it's 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 making people aware. Yeah, well, when you when you uh, renew your driver's license, they'll give yes. you a little card and it tells you, "Hey, sign here if you want to donate your organs." And that's when you do it. Every person who has a driver's license has to renew. When you go in and they you renew, take that kidney donation or the organ donation card, sign that thing over, and uh, you'll be able to save some lives. That's the first step. That is the first step, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, Dave. So. Dave, I, I just, like, like before, like, I, I know you're a busy guy and stuff, and, and we were so happy to have you on here. But, like, like before, but before we let you go, there's just, there's just one last thing that I just wanted to ask you, man. When you <laughs> let right. in that second goal, right? <laughs> yeah. When you let in that second goal, I want you to be honest with me. I want you to tell me and the listeners. Were you just, were you just saying, buddy, I better not let in every shot that, that happens here. I better, I better stand on my head here. And then I want, I want you to say, once you made that save though, how big did that confidence skyrocket up? <laughs> you know what? The, the first save wasn't even pretty. I think it was an Austin Matthews kind of one-timer along the ice 
from the corner. He just kind of put a quick one, tried to put a five hole, and I got it, and I thought it went behind the net, so I stood up, and it was actually under my foot. So Fogel from Carolina jumped on me, and he's like, you got it, man, you got it. You know, it wasn't a pretty save, but it definitely helped the confidence. Uh, but then the next one, you know, that was a little bit better. And as the couple extra shots came in, I started to get a little more confident. But, yeah, there was a time when I thought, if I let another goal in, I'm going to get booed off this ice surface. Like, they're going to have to dress the cameraman or something like that because I'm going to get thrown out of the out of the game right now. So I had to uh, really dig deep and uh, just, you know, put my game together. Well, Dave, I'll tell you one thing, man. If it was someone that wasn't a good guy, maybe uh, maybe the next five shots would have went in. But I think because of your hard work, because of you playing at that high caliber, man, you're a good goalie, man. People didn't understand that you were practicing at least with AHL caliber guys for years upon years, okay? So you deserve, you deserve the win. I'm more than happy for you. I, I, I can't even explain how excited I was for you, brother. As a hockey fan, as, as a former player, I was so happy for you, buddy. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so listen, Dave, before we go, I want to plug I really want to plug the National Kidney Foundation. How do people, how do people look it up? How do people donate? And, and how do we, how do we get this thing going here? Like, what's the best way? You know, Kidney Foundation, just Google Kidney Foundation, National Kidney Foundation, you'll find it. Right now they've got a six degrees separation. Uh, March is is Kidney Awareness Month. Uh, my wife just did a a thing for them the other day that they just posted on, on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. So, uh, National Kidney Foundation, you throw that in Google, you're going to find everything you need. Um, just hit up their site and you'll find a lot of stuff on that I did with them and that everybody else is, is pushing right now with them. And, uh, like I said, hopefully we're going to save a couple lives out here. Yes, we're going to save lives. And like, and they, once this COVID thing's over, like I'm, I'm planning on getting a group together, doing some public speaking events, creating awareness, mental health, kidney foundation, every, I want to add a lot of stuff to the, and I would love to have you a part of it, brother. Yeah, I'm all over that one. I'll, uh, yes. just let me yes, know when to yes, be there yes. and I'll be there. All right. So, so listen, one last thing, Mary and your wife. I want, I want you to thank them both for me because they were such big parts of this story. They are so inspiring. And I'm telling you, man, most people would be in a huge battle and your wife was right on par with you. And that's what makes this so special and makes it such an awesome story, my friend. And I yeah. really, really, really thank you for sharing everything that you shared. You gave a perspective that was different from a lot of the interviews that I heard. And I really, really appreciate that, Mr. Ayers. Yeah, I love it, man. The angles are, uh, were great. And, uh, the fact that we're able to talk about the game and, you know, grow up in hockey and kidney foundation all, all in this show is awesome. Hey, and like I said, when I got the message from you to come on this show, I was all over this, this thing because, you know, like I said, Whippy guy. We were OHL guys. We went to the we went to the OHL games. We were in Oshawa. We were watch. We'd actually go there and watch you to make sure you're in the lineup. And like I said, my brother and I would have bets at the game. On we would go through the other teams' players and we would go through the generals' players and we're like, who's he gonna scrap tonight? Is there gonna be a scrap tonight? We better see something going down tonight. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> when we came to those games, you didn't disappoint. So I hope I didn't disappoint you. 
Well, you know what, Dave? It's an absolute honor to know that you and your brother were watching me in the OHL, buddy. I mean, I, I, it was an honor for me to play for the Gens, but now that I know that an NHL legend was watching me, it's not much better, buddy, of a memory. So we were thank you for that, Mr. David Ayers. Absolutely. Right on, right on. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, record holder David Ayers, we are so happy to have had him on this episode. Um, Kyle, what do you have to say to sign off, my friend? Uh, Dave, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, anytime, man. This is awesome. You guys are great. We definitely got to have you on again soon, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So thanks, Dave. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Episode 5 of The Sheriff featuring special guest David Ayers. Thanks, everybody, and see you next time. Woo!